Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. It's another week of American Tennis, and folks, uh, we were off last week with Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great holiday and uh we're able to count your blessings one by one by one. And I think that's, you know, that's a very, very hard thing to do a lot of times by ourselves. Uh, if you get with friends, I I try to always say, uh, you know, help me, help me, help me. You see me. I feel myself, and but you see me. Uh, can you help me count my blessings one by one by one? And then after a while, we I guess we get used to it and, we can sort of count our blessings, but man, sometimes we get going so fast and we're looking over our shoulder to watch chasing us and we look at what other people have going on in their lives. And I mean, my golly, it's like, again, drinking water out of a fire hose. You just do not know what water to drink and what special and what is not. And, and, uh, look, I, it's, it's real simple. Uh, with that one too, you ask God to help you count your blessings one by one. And so that, uh, you know, if you pray about it, 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 it works. It really, really matters. If you can start today by getting on your knees a little bit and just thanking God for the blessings you have, and hopefully we can count them. And that's what I was doing all last week. I was traveling down to Florida to the Eddie Hurt tournament to try to recruit uh, made contacts with some good friends, some good coaches, but man, oh man, oh man, uh, when you see so many tennis players together and so many kids and so many interests and so many coaches and sports psychologists and the hoopla that goes on in, in the place down there where they're marketing the tennis, they've got it as a craft how to market the tennis and market athletes. I, you know, you get a lot of mixed, mixed messages, um, and um, I, the, the sport of tennis is the most fantastic thing in the world. And you know that on American tennis here, I said, you know, we call it the way it is, and we stay. We, the message 
and the mission is to stand up, speak out, say those things that are need to be said. And, um, you know, we, we try to talk exactly with what's going on, but, um, my golly, um, it, 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 you, there's a lot of wrong messages being sent uh, with the sport of tennis. And, and let me tell you one reason, one reason why, and I'm hoping that Coach J.P. Weber will call in today, um, but he said he was quite busy. Uh, the deal, he always says, this is it. We allowed the marketeers to get in our, co- our very great sport of tennis. All of this stuff that the bureaucracy of the USTA is goofing up. It's done primarily because of the marketeers and these guys who are trying to market our sport. And they're diluting, polluting, and prostituting our sport because that's not what you do with art form, with art and music and sports, which are the most pure things in the world and that you know there's passion involved with art music and sports so people it's natural for the marketeers to jump on the bandwagon and and try to market it and my golly i didn't like it all what i saw um with with a lot of this but the blessings of this sport are beyond belief it is the greatest sport in the world and uh, we got to keep the consultants and the marketeers the heck out of it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, I wanted to talk about your planning as a parent, as a coach, as a player, the planning for this sport and uh, how to stay the discipline for the movable puzzle of success. It is a movable puzzle. And we, we want to talk about that today. This is American Tennis. I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. We're in our fifth year of the program now. Um, our job is stand up, speak out. We say Edmund Burke was my favorite, favorite quote. All that it takes for evil to prosper is for good men, good people to do nothing. And we have to stand up. We have to speak out. A lot of great stuff I've been watching lately because I've had time. Winston Churchill, a lot of stuff on our founding fathers, a lot of stuff about how our country was formed. We are really have been in some exciting political times i'll leave it at that instead of getting very political here but it's exciting and uh we've got a chance we've got a chance really um for our country to make a difference and uh to get people to stand up speak out look sports are a capitalist adventure adventure they are not a, a socialist adventure they are not a adventure where everybody plays everybody gets a trophy everybody feels good sports are competitive the most competitive people excel at sports. The most competitive people do well in sports. The most competitive people do well in life. The regulations that are put out there by either sports organizations or by governments or stuff to put handcuffs on entrepreneurial people or people who have uh, the guts to stand up, speak out, and to do things that need to be said are are flat wrong and they're only done breaks are only put on people chains are only put on people to keep them from excelling and because of the fear uh that people have that uh they might not be able to uh keep up with those who are trying to make things happen uh our sport of tennis we don't need to go there with where we're at uh today um i just wanted to sort of set the table 
because um, you may have a son or a daughter or a player, and you're wondering, what the heck do I do next? My daughter just won two tournaments in a row, and the coaches are saying, let's play up, let's play up an age division, or let's go after uh, bigger things. And you're saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. She's starting to run faster this is working while we're doing what should we do how should we go about the scheduling how should we go about the goal setting we need to talk about all this um, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute I I wanted to uh, get through the introduction and saying that uh, the wecoachtennis.com please go there for information there's over a couple thousand people on that uh, site now also, URTennis.net, uh, excuse me, URTennisNetwork.com. You got that? URTennisNetwork.com is where you can listen to the show live, and you can get it there all the time. Go to ChuckCreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E, ChuckCreasy.net, and you can get all of my programs, all of the past shows. Um I wanted to credit John, Coach John Denise uh, for his uh, Florida Connection uh, program Thursdays at 5.30 in the afternoon. And then, of course, Lisa Stone, the Parenting Aces program that is every Tuesday at noon. These are great people, great programs, and uh, please go there to listen. Um, I'm Coach Chuck Creasy again. My program is American Tennis. We're in our fifth year already. And uh, I will be right back in a minute, and today we're going to get off and running and talk about this movable puzzle, and it is a movable puzzle, but how do you have discipline with this movable puzzle of success? We'll be right back. Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and if you need me to come to your club, you need me to work and do some consult work, I sure can do that. Go to ChuckCreasy.net and find out more information. Also, you can just shoot me an email at Chuck at CoachCreasy.com. That's Chuck at CoachCreasy.com. Seeing 
America. Making them in America. <laughs> I couldn't get that tongue twister out. Making them in America. How's that, folks? <laughs> Anyhow, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and uh, thanks for tuning in to American Tennis. Now in our fifth year, and it flies. And um, we want to talk today about the discipline uh, for the movable puzzle of success. And, uh, yeah, it's a movable puzzle. And um, let me just say I'm a parent who has uh, six children, and I have a daughter right now in swimming and a son in competitive baseball as well, and I'm looking for the answers. I'm looking for the answers of where to take them to train, how many events to do, um, what level of events to, to participate in, um, how to, the periodization of how much rest in between all of them. And I, I, I absolutely mean this, that in my 47 years of coaching, 37 years now in uh, college coaching, but 47 years I've been working with tennis players, mainly young tennis players. I've always been working with juniors that the biggest mistakes are made in scheduling and the biggest mistakes are made in not understanding where your youngster's at for their timetable of growth because the trap, and I'm going to talk about some traps and some landmines here, but one of the biggest landmine trap is that you compare your youngster to everybody around them, especially in tennis. They win, they lose. You are the barometer that we have for tennis, unfortunately, is who a player beats. And now we have this point system thing, and kids are chasing points, and parents are chasing points. And if you've worked with youngsters at all in teaching or coaching, you know that every child has a unique timetable for growth. Um, some of the kids at age 12 or 13 are starting to shave already, and their their uh, hormones have kicked in for the boys and the girls. Uh, you have some 13-year-olds looking like they're 16-year-olds, and you have some 15-year-old kids who look like they're 12-year-olds. And those those that time right there, 12, 13, 14, 15, those years of early puberty and late puberty uh, when they're coming into adulthood, young adulthood, these are times that are just topsy-turvy. And I was explaining to a parent the other day, I was, I was saying that, yeah, you've got an 11-year-old or 12-year-old, you're working with them, and they look like uh, the ultimate uh, <laughs> the ultimate uncoordinated uh, uh, child who, who can't cannot walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. And then one month later, you see him and you go, whoa, what, what happened there? Were they hit with a magic wand or something? But, but this is just the way that it works. Kids mature at different rates at different times. And I, I cannot emphasize anything more importantly than this. Parents especially, you're responsible. The coach, I hope you have a good coach out there that cares about your child more than the success of your child. But the point is, is coaches and parents out there do not mark your child's growth, their validation, their improvement against other people. Look at them every day and the, the consistent thing should be, are you doing the best that you can to be number one at being who you are, to being the best that you are today. 
give your best, give your best, give your best. Do you feel good about your effort today at practice? Do you, do you, and, and, you know, with, look, swim, uh, swimming and uh, sports like track and field and different things, we have a very accurate barometer of the stopwatch. But in tennis, the kids beat somebody. Oh, I beat the number three seed. Well, the number three seed might have had a headache and a stomach ache that day. Or the last player in the tournament to get into the tournament might have just hit a growth spurt. And it it really is just topsy-turvy. So you really, really need to, number one, do not uh, evaluate your youngster's growth based on anybody else. Now, you can talk to your coaches, and your coaches hopefully are saying, okay, here's accurately what this looks like, what they need to work on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the big things that works really, really well is get your youngster to carry a notebook with them and to chart, not chart, but to uh, write in their journal, not three pages, just a paragraph or so, uh, after they lose, usually, but after they win, but keep a journal, so sort of their growth path. And it, it allows them to sort of digest what happened and to learn and to grow. Because, look, kids get to play a lot. Uh, I'm not so sure that one of my big pet peeves right now, as you know, is that the daggone USTA folks, the marketeers out there, as Coach Weber would call them, the marketeers who we've turned over all of the growth and the raising of our children, the marketeers, you guys at the USTA, come on, get it together. Dump these consultants and these marketing guys that are trying to market tennis like a hoochie-coochie show. You know, this is a great, great thing, our sport. You know, and you guys, you guys got to, you know, you, look, you're not going to go anywhere with your goals as long as you – our kids don't work for mastery. As long as our kids work, try to only work for success, listen, folks, work for mastery, not for success, not for the, the fast, quick stuff that blows away faster and a fart in a hurricane. Yeah, there I said, a fart in a hurricane. That's how fast fame and fortune blows away in this sport. And uh, so anyhow. Sorry, sorry, kids out there, if I said something I shouldn't have said, but, you know, I'm allowed to cuss a little bit on here, but I don't know if that's such a bad word. But but our parents, you know, we're getting mixed up because we do validate ourselves based on what other people are doing. We do look at other kids and say, hey, my son, my daughter is not up to the same standard as them. And we do, but we get sucked into the marketeers, whether it's a, a pro that is a fly-by-night sleazy person who tries to tries to market what they do. Uh, we need to turn our kids over to educators that are looking at the long-term growth of what's going on. So, anyhow, that's number one. And and uh, oh, I got to tell you all this. This is this is a great story. Of course, down at the college connection down there with all of the coaches, I talked to three different coaches. And all everybody's saying, boy, these millennial kids, it is tough out there. Two, one coach said, you know, we just had to kick off one guy who was uh, like a number two player on our team for partying too much. And another coach told me, do you know that I was about ready to offer this kid a big scholarship worth over $30,000? And 
And then I found out he was a party boy, and that's all he wanted to do, and I had to renege it. And then this other coach was saying, man, we signed a guy, but I'm finding out now that they're into party. I mean, and I'm going, whoa, 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 our kids are uh, masterfully <laughs> chasing the wrong stuff here. I know it's wide open. I know that stuff's out there and everything, and we we could say, hey, yeah, uh, we all got to deal with it. But the bottom line on the thing, folks, uh, this is the, the main thing is our kids are not working for mastery. They're trying to work for success and stuff that they get out of the sport. They're not falling in love with the game. They're not understanding that uh, – the only three drugs you should get from this sport are dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins. The dopamine because of you love you, how you love to hit the ball, the adrenaline rush from competing, and then the endorphins from training hard. And once they understand how great that feels, there there they stick with the sport, and they do work for mastery. You know, a lot of the kids uh, are failing too, um, and these are general things. Before I talk about the scheduling. Uh, I call it the curse of the Spider-Man, which with great power comes, and all kids know who watch Spider-Man, great responsibility. The kids don't fail because they fear uh, failure now. They they fear success. They fear the pressure and the responsibility of, of having to man up or woman up to the challenge in front of them. And if they've been deemed as talented or if they have talent or if they have a parent that coaches them or a parent that does a lot for them they walk around with this burden of I got to live up to what the billing is here so I tell kids to every that there is no heavier burden than a great opportunity and to whom much is given much is expected and I call it the curse of the spider man because with great power comes great responsibility and most of the kids pull the plug back off and they don't do quite what they need to do because they're afraid of not living up to the expectations. But again, go back to working for mastery over just working for success. If they fall in love with the game, if they absolutely love the game of tennis, it's we're screwing it up bad if we get them to just go chase points, you know, and, uh, I'm going to bring those things up here. But I'll bring them up right now. Right now, USTA, are you guys listening to me? I know you listen to my show some. But you got to dump the point system. This is the worst thing you've ever done is to put the point system out there. Kids play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage, according to the great Tim Wilkerson. He was on J.P. Weber's We Coach Tennis program about a year ago. And I will honor this quote forever because there were few people ever motivated than that guy, uh, Dr. Dirt. He said, you play for rivalries. He said if he lost to somebody, he would wait a year to try try to beat them later. Kids, kids want the rivalries are healthy and they're important. And then tournaments of heritage, you wanted to win the Cracker Land or you wanted to win the Orange Bowl or the Copper Bowl. Who in in the kids would rather win? What would you think they'd rather do? Be number one in the country or win Kalamazoo? Kalamazoo! Don't you guys dare think about changing, moving Kalamazoo down 
to that Lake Cabona or whatever that place is down there. You know, Nona, Nona, I think it's Lake Nona is what, Cova? I, I don't know. It's one of one of those places down there building this big deal down at Orlando. And don't you guys dare think about moving Kalamazoo down there. You want tennis to fail in this country, go ahead and do that. That is about, that would be about the, you know, but the, you guys who are making all these decisions for tennis, you know, I, I guess you think that you have just recently been endowed with some great wisdom from on high after 142 years to change our scoring system. I guess you believe that you're just smarter than everybody else, that you've now just become enlightened that 10-point tiebreakers are the way to go, and you're changing our scoring system. I mean, could you imagine somebody in baseball saying, you know what, we got to make this shorter. It's just we got to make it more exciting. So we're going to go with two balls or three balls, two strikes, and you only allow six pitches. We get this thing over with. Boy, oh, boy, that would be anybody that sees the drama in sport. The drama is more important than excitement. Excitement dies with each occurrence. Drama intensifies with each denial. Drama will always lead to excitement. Excitement will never lead to drama. So you guys, I mean, I just horrible, horrible. All you USTA guys who are behind this no-ad scoring and this stuff, shameful on Shame on you for not honoring our sport. Just shame on you for this. I'm going to bring in, I think I got Coach Weber just called in here, and I'm going to try to get him on the line, see if he'll talk to us a few minutes I know he'll want to talk about this, and then we're going to get to the the deal about scheduling here, and let's see if I can get him on the line here. Uh, I'm hoping it comes up here. Yeah, okay, Coach Weber, are you on the line? Coach Weber. Coach Weber, okay, I don't guess he's not on the line there. Maybe he – okay, I'll see if he hangs on here. I'll try him in a minute. Okay, folks, we've got to uh, talk here a second about really having discipline and the movable puzzle uh, of success. Uh, the movable puzzle is scheduling, is the first movable puzzle. And uh, I'm going to just leave it open. Coach Weber, if you, uh, I'm going to leave your line open. If you come back on, please jump in. We'd love to talk with you today because you've got some great, thoughts and insights on stuff. Uh, Coach Weber, are you there? Hello? Hello? Yeah, you are there. Okay. Good. Coach, hey. I've got a – I need about 10 minutes, 15 minutes I saw here. you called. I saw you called. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, I always want you on the show if we can have you on the show. Uh, Coach, I've, I've been ranting this morning, and I have. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not afraid to call it a rant. I love our sport. I – 47 years of my life, I've been able to pay the bills, put food on the table, have a roof over my head through the teaching of tennis. And it's I've been in the sport now since 1963, the summer of 1963. I absolutely love it. What they are doing to the sports, I feel like my son, it would be as if your son or your grandson went out and started being a drug dealer or your daughter grew up to do something you didn't like as well. I mean, it, it is just so 
discouraging. And I talked about you earlier in the show, and I said uh -oh. uh, it's basically the marketeers have done this, the marketeers. So, I mean, could I get you to jump in there and, uh, you know, talk to the people about why it's not the things coaches are, things that have are done changing. It. Things things are changing, aren't they? Did you? I I uh, I got a chance this past weekend. I went and saw some very good players. A guy that knows you uh, from Maryland. His son played, got to the finals, lost in the finals. I think of the national 14s. Except <laughs> I don't know what it's. A, it was a national something. You know, they got so many nationals now that it's not even a national anymore. If you know what I mean. So they, I went well, I jump in there and, kids, and make expound yeah. on that. It, I told them it's the national level three blue group backdraw consolation, uh, no ad, hoochie coochie, spin around, spin the rackets at the end of the day, and let's all be friend event. You know, I mean, and, and that's I'm mocking it, but it's it's pathetic. It's pathetic. They have they have 48 it's different ways of keeping score. <laughs> You know what? They're going to fly yeah. in now, aren't they? And say we'll simplify it. Everything's going to be no ad. Everything's no ad. That's where we're going with junior tennis. They may do that. You know, they they're heading that. I mean, I think that I personally think they're heading that way. Um, all the indicators seem to go that way. But I got to watch. You know, here, it was great tennis for that level. Now you can't tell so much on a video. If somebody sends somebody a video. You can't really tell. And you caught me here. I'm having to do a couple of things housekeeping wise in the tennis center so if i'm doing something else while i'm talking to you please excuse the noise but that's, um, that's okay i, I know uh, you're busy i uh, so i got to watch that and it was it was actually great tennis from these little kids these little kids were doing incredible things on the court this kid this guy um looks like he's gonna be a good one um from um uh, from maryland uh, very good. And then Andy Abram, you talked about, I think I heard you mention Tim Wilkinson, another guy that was amazing sort of guy that I looked up to a lot of a guy named Andy Abram, who was at the tournament. His son, Gabe, was there. Gabe is very good. And I'm watching all this. I'm seeing all this, seeing all these kids play. And at the same time, in, in the tennis center, I'm watching. So you're seeing great stuff out on the court from the youngest and the newest of our players. And and um, so I'm seeing that. And at the very same time on the televisions, in the uh, in the tennis club where it was being played, it's played at the Lifetime Club in Atlanta, which is very nice. Uh, they are showing one of the more remarkable comebacks of all time with the Davis Cup, where where DeBonis ends up. I think I think his name is DeBonis, if I'm not mistaken. That's how you pronounce it. Comes back and wins, inspired by Del Potro. Who comes back and wins? Against, this was Croatia. Croatia yeah, against Argentina. Croatia was up, finals. right? Two to one. Yeah, well, Croatia was up two to one. It's not very often that a comeback like that happens, but they come back and they. Um, um, so, so anyway, they came back and uh, they won. So you get to see. You got, got to see the highest level. You get to see the highest level. Uh, of tennis there and you're watching these kids you know the, on the on the most innocent level down here at the bottom you're watching the the kids that are totally committed to tennis and at the same time you're watching and it's a beautiful game I'm sitting there watching this and I'm watching it 
come out and I'm watching all this and I'm watching these kids fight, you know, they're battling one another and a few of these matches go to third sets and they're decided by a 10-point tiebreaker. They've worked their way from Los Angeles. they worked their way from Maryland. they worked their way all over. And it comes down to a 10-point tiebreaker. It's a national tournament. I don't get it. I don't get it, Coach. So that's my comment. You know, I, I saw that this weekend. And I do agree with you. I think that there are people – Obviously, there's bound to be somebody because you've got several Clemson guys that are part of the upper echelon of the USTA's player development program, okay? So you've got some Clemson guys, so they know how to work. They're bound to share your idea. I know you don't like 10-point tiebreaker, and I don't like 10-point tiebreaker. They're doing this 10-point tiebreaker because they believe it's going to make tennis um, more popular, I guess. They had, I think they had, they had, it started, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and maybe even Tuesday sanctioned out for the day. So they could get the whole thing played, play regular sets, not have a problem. But there's a strong push. There's a strong push. And I think on, I think if I remember correctly, they were talking to uh, Haggerty, the new head of the ITF, and I think his new goal is – I think he's done it. He's achieved it. Look, he, when he was with the USTA, they achieved knocking down college tennis. They knocked – that was one of the pillars. There are these pillars of tennis, you know, that we have. So you got – Well, it wasn't tennis. one of their goals. I mean, it wasn't one of their goals, to be fair. But you couldn't have screwed it up more than what they screwed up because right now uh, college tennis is about as amoebic as uh, – you know, you can get it. It is that we're not going to have any good players coming out of there. You know, if anybody has worked in tennis around the world at, you know, whether you've coached internationally, ITF level or whatever, college tennis is like the third string, uh, you know, third, third string thing you do if you, if you can't play in the professional ranks. And it's, it's just awful that they're missing that opportunity. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. No, but it's but it's it, you're right. It's 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 just it's so it's changed. I think the marketeers. It's my belief. Maybe I'm wrong. It's my belief that the marketeers are, are a part of this. I I kid you not. I and you know if there's people listening, mark my words on this. I say it here on your show. I believe that. I think it's within five years. Within five years, Haggerty will achieve his goal of. Davis Cup being a two out of three set match with a ten point match tiebreak for the third. I mean, that's where he wants to go. Well, that's where they all want to go. And, and, and you know, the sad thing is, most people, you know, I'm not going to mention that many names, but this morning, on uh, I was listening to one of the talk shows, and they said there's a book out there called I Y I, an intellectual yet still an idiot. Uh, we we have. <laughs> I-Y-I, there's a book, I-Y-I, intellectual yet still idiot, still an idiot. And, you know, and we're not walking around like we're holier than now or we have all the answers either, except we do have 142 years of heritage here. What do you say when somebody wins the national tiebreaker set or the hoochie-coochie? Do they still have relevance? No, they don't. We need an asterisk. Don't we? We need an asterisk. Well, that would be, that would be to, fine with me. 
that would be great. I think that's a great idea, Coach. I think, but that now don't do it as a, not in a, in a don't be chagrined and do it, you know, because you've got your nose, you know, out of place because you don't like the system that they're doing. Do it as a legitimate way in track and field if it's wind aided or if it's shortened somehow, they put an asterisk beside it. So a in six inning baseball to... game because of the rain, you have an yeah, asterisk. Yeah, yeah. Or... I think we, we need an asterisk. Just... Hey, parents out that's there, super, listen, what a great idea. Uh, I mean, we need an asterisk. Double A, double A tennis, asterisk abbreviated. We need some way to mark. This isn't real tennis, though, Coach. This isn't real tennis. And it's so disgusting because, look, the the, the problem is they want to abbreviate it. But with this, you do not get the real winner. You do not get the true winner. And no ad scoring, I've talked about it enough. We do not get the real winner. It's it's um and and when kids play these formats, they know, they know when they win a tiebreaker for the third set, third set, they know they're getting a participation trophy for that match, and they know that it doesn't mean anything, and they don't get confidence. And guess what? When you lose that tiebreaker, it does not hurt enough to make you want to go out and practice more. You say, eh, ten point tiebreaker. Hey, I sort of got a let cord here and this here and this. And, and But the point is, how could our leaders in our sport, and, and I, you know, I mean, I don't care if they are intellectual. You know, I, I think this is an idiotic thing. It's idiotic. I'm not going to be that respectful anymore. Look, I've been in four. How many years have you been in tennis? 35, coach? A lot, a lot of years. They feel like, look, there is no way in the world that these kids – their experience and the determination of who wins that match should be shortened to a 10-point tiebreaker for the third set. And there's no reason at the other end of the spectrum, at the pinnacle of competition, and at least you know from a traditional standpoint, at the Davis Cup, that they should ever shorten that process. That was a great thing. People, you know, look, people, look, look. It's not, it's not basketball. It's not football. It's never going to be. And even if you shorten it, people are going to walk by. They're going to look at it for a few minutes, and then they're going to go do something else. They're going to come back. You know how it worked at Clemson. Look, every school I was at, whether I was at New Mexico, Clemson, Furman, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, wherever I was, fans come in. They watch a little tennis on their way to class or they do this, and then they go off, and they may come back, Okay. And that's always going to be the case, and it won't matter. Now, if you shorten it, I suppose you could you could shorten it to, <laughs> to you know, three tiebreakers for the doubles, three ten-point tiebreakers for the doubles, and six ten-point tiebreakers for the singles. You know that would you know and and do it and do it and do it. You're making me laugh. Remember, Coach De Palmer. No, but this is serious. Coach De Palmer. You know he had you would keep score. Like basketball, he was at Tennessee, that folks, probably, for years. Yeah, that would probably that would probably work out to the same point total as a good basketball game, you know, eighty-five to ninety or something like that. And you would do that, and then you know, the running score. You're talking, coach. You're talking about a running score, keeping a running score of yeah. games or something like that. Yeah, do yeah. that and and, and and see what that does. I think it wouldn't keep people in their seats any more than the five centers. But it's a different sport. It's a different way of keeping score. It's a different sport. There's a beautiful scoring system. 
And it, it, you know, you eliminate the chance too much. It's too, you know, with these kids, kid gets hot, he comes out, he hits five or six, eight, or, you know, whatever, two aces. I don't know. He starts serving well. The next thing you know, <coughs> it's over. Well, I had a parent this weekend who played at a Big Ten school, and he said, he told me, uh, he said, you know, I had tried to drive over. I had to drive four and a half hours in bad weather during the winter to my son's uh, college match. I got over there, and I'd missed the doubles because I was there a half hour late. And then he said there were a few quick matches, and the thing was over in an hour and 15 minutes. Folks, because they're stopping, they stop the matches when one team gets to four. I mean, how ludicrous! They were done. I'm sorry, I, I went into a room here, but they're they're um, I'm out now. They're um, they are um, I watched it. I, I've seen it thus far. Full match, Georgia Tech and Georgia. They let the matches finish. It was over in two hours and nine minutes. And I mean, I suppose that that is. Uh, I suppose that that's well, they say that's the new millennial attention span. That's the new millennial attention span. So, coach, I I yeah, got a guys, couple guys things. Guys like Manuel Diaz. Manuel Diaz is not a you know Manny Diaz. Hopefully he'll he'll see the difference. But a guy like Manny Diaz, he played hard and long and played the old system and and he's got to know a guy like Dave Getz and you know all these guys. You know these guys are still coaching somewhere. They played these longer systems, they can appreciate the difference. You can't tell me that the same guy ends up winning on both formats. You know, I don't think it happens. Well, you know what? Here's here's one big thing. Um, I, and I, We brought this up last time we talked. You know, when I first was introduced to NOAD scoring back in the 80s, at first I was a young coach. I said, oh, you know, it sounds like an interesting idea. It took about two years of seeing what it did to players to really become uh, – staunchly uh, opposed to it. I, I absolutely detest it because I see it's hard enough to, to groom and build players, but when you abbreviate the scoring system, they never know where they're at. They they don't know if they're successful or not. They don't have a barometer to go forward. Well, so it's really, assume, remember, really just awful. Yeah, but remember, only if you assume, understand this, Coach, only if you assume that they're never going to change the upper levels. And I think that's where they're heading, Coach. They're going to change the pro level. They're going to change Davis Cup. That's what – this has all been part of a plan. You know, everybody wants to say maybe that I'm a little bit conspiracy thinking, but I know that these parts all fit together. I'm telling you that this has all been part of a marketing plan. It grew out of something that probably happened – Years ago, from you know some piecemeal uh, research out in Arizona, there. and you know you know the people are out in Arizona that did this. But but here's the point. Here here here's the point. You know, and and again, when you do that, when you do that, there's not going to be anybody around to take the blame for dismantling our sport of tennis. You know, I mean, they they well, really believe. Be I no, guess you're right. You're you're exactly right. They will not. They, they'll they'll make the decision. They'll wipe their hands of it, walk away, and if it lives or dies, it lives or dies. They'll say they did their best. They fought guys like you, and <laughs> they fought the good fight against you know the warriors like you that are out there. You and, know, and, and may you know, I resisting. say, coach, we completely dismantled college tennis and changed the scoring system, coach, without. 
one consensus. They did it because they thought they were smarter than everybody else. Coaches and players were near unanimous against it. Now, they won't be in three or four years because it will be bled in and it will be the only system they know. And our kids will not fight it in seven or eight years because it will be bled in. It's the only system they know, and, and that's the tragedy. And if we don't fight it now, now is the good. Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. From my typing class, we used to have to type that over and over. But now is the time for all good tennis patriots to come to the aid of our country, Coach. <laughs> we need people right. to stand up and speak out. If they don't resist it, you know, the USDA is very sensitive. And, you know, you've got it's a tough thing because once it's shortened, Coach, you got to – one of the problems is the people that they listen to, they surround themselves with the same people. They're going to tell them the same stuff all the time, right? And they also surround themselves with, you know, people that maybe are like-minded. So what ends up happening is you get a, a lot of centralization with the USDA, and you get a lot of group think with the USDA that comes through. So you got that going. But then you've got the whole idea that it's easier. Look, my wife's a referee for me. She's an umpire for me. Coach, the referees, they love the short matches. They're not out there anymore as long as they were. They're getting paid the same, but they're not out there as long. So the thing is, is parents, you know, you got some, you know, a lot of these greedy parents that come out there, the pig parents that get out there, they're not really concerned about anything on the level that you are or I am development of the player they just want the wins they want the points they got some money that they're spending and if they can get some good points out of this tournament or that tournament then they're happy once they're happy you know and it's quicker and they get the same points for playing half as much time they're happy they're happy so it's a very hard thing to hold it back if they start but you can make it so it's not tennis i mean at some point it ceases to be tennis, doesn't it? Doesn't it at some point? I mean, that's my point against, uh, I mean, not really against ROG, but that's my point about it. At some point, you can't sit there and call it tennis. Well, I guess we could I mean, call it know, arena tennis, like arena football. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, no, we could no, call no, it arena you're tennis. Right, you're right. What, you're right. Why don't we call it arena look tennis? At, look, that, that was an experiment with football. They did it with football. It's quicker, it's shorter, it's faster, there's action, there's, you know, there's no this, there's no that. And it's supposed to try. it hasn't. There are people that, there's, there's, a certain, there's a certain tweaking you can do to a sport, and it remains that sport. But beyond a certain level of tweaking, it, it ceases to be that original sport. We don't play real tennis anymore, do we? Remember, real, isn't that what tennis was? It's, it was on an hourglass-shaped court indoor. You know, that was real tennis. Well, that's gone over time. But tennis itself, that's remained for some time. It's a certain sport. Now, that took a lot of time to get where we are, a whole lot of time, a whole lot of developmental dollars in terms of the shape of the ball, the size of the ball, everything. All that took a lot of money and a lot of time to put together. But we're taking it apart too quick, too quick. It's too quick. Well, it's too much change, too fast for me. Coach, uh, the the big thing, natural changes. People would argue, well, change is inevitable. Well, IYI change. Intellectual, yet still an idiot. IYI change, folks. And, and I'm sorry to be 
and I didn't use any names here, but we got IYIs working for some of these organizations, and you consultant guys out there. It's funny, I just said I would do consultant work. You know, uh, I hate the word consultant. Teaching work, uh, teaching work, mentoring work, but we don't have teachers and mentors out there. We got IYIs. And natural change is different as things evolve. The even, You know, even the equipment, as much as I hated the technology revolution, it was a natural change, and it was something, yeah, we should have put a handle on it like, like golf did, but for these people to step up and say, you know what, we're really smart. USTA, you're not really smart. This is really, really a dumb move. You might be smart, but this is really, really dumb. It's not going to help. And I want you guys to put some of your rear ends on the line out there and say you will resign if we ought to do that, Coach. You should resign if tennis doesn't make a remarkable comeback here by the work you do. You know, that's that's probably what we need to do. Because as a well, coach, I we know that if we don't do the job, we lose our job. Maybe some of these guys need to also. This is just unbelievable that these guys are so arrogant to think that they're so smart with this. And it's the same as the, look, the red, orange, and green ball. They, I heard they did away with the red, I guess. It wasn't the fact that it wasn't a good learning tool. It was the fact that they jammed it down everybody's throat and they've made it mandatory now. And the mandatory thing is so un-American. It's so, it's so, so socialist European type thing. It's so un-American. So coach, uh, we've covered a lot of stuff here. We got to go here in a second. Any last thoughts? Look, we really, really appreciate. I didn't get my schedule concept, but, um, Parents, uh, you know, you, look, you, the move of puzzle is success. Stand up, speak out, parents. The power is with the parents. If your kids are playing these abbreviated formats, they're not ever going to learn to sport the way they should. Just like I want my son to play uh, dag on uh, three ball, four balls, three strikes. <laughs> it's funny. They got a, fun, a couple funny rules in baseball, too. But uh, I want barometers for my children to learn where they're at. Last thoughts, Coach, I'll give them to you. I don't like the centralization of tennis. I don't like it. I don't like what – Overregulation, centralization, yeah. Well, yeah. it's a centralization. No, you're, you, I mean, they're getting ready. You know, everything's going to now point toward Lake Nona. You know, it's going to be a giant facility, and they're going to they're gonna have to put the uh, – Big events there. I don't like that, and I don't like groupthink. I don't like groupthink. Maybe that's just me. I don't think you you like to say that you like groupthink. Maybe something you like to get along, but ultimately, you're about one of the greatest non-group thinkers in, that we have in sports. So, you know, uh, um, you know, I don't like the groupthink that comes out of this. And I think some of this is kind of if they did, you know, if they could or did give people a choice. In other words, the red, orange, and green, yeah, the tiebreakers, yeah, you know, do all this stuff and give them a choice instead of, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Then I think that people would begin to gravitate. You'd also, if they gave the choice, if they didn't mandate it, they gave the choice, we would really see what did work and didn't work. 
And if we could figure those out, wow, then we'd be much further down the road. That's 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 a good point. You know, I ask a USTA official, it's not the fact that it wasn't a good teaching tool, so you jammed it down our throats. He literally admitted he said that our stay and play, our our uh, whatever they called the stuff, short tennis, abbreviated it wasn't working. It wasn't picking up, so we had to make rules to make it. Now they bled into rules to be concrete rules. And folks, look, <laughs> it, this—it's not like these things are so brilliant. You know, if you like them, use them. But as Coach Weber says, we need to have an option. And with that. If everybody goes that way, well, we'll make a decision to either play the game or not. It's the fact that they have taken the beautiful game that we have, this beautiful, beautiful, fantastic game, and they've bastardized it, dumbed it down, and made it something. You know, I wanted to play in the orchestra, not to just be a tuba player in the band, Coach. And no offense to tuba players out there, but I wanted to be a violinist in the orchestra. But now i got to play the tuba in the band. And guess what? I'm the fourth string tuba player. And, and, and they've just dumbed our sport down. Shame, shame, shame on you guys for what you're doing. Shame on you guys. So, Coach, we got to go. I hear you. Thanks for, Bye. Thanks, thanks for being on. Really, really Thank appreciate you. it, Coach. That's one of the best people out there in uh, in tennis. Wow, is there another better student of the game, better coach? Great coach, but he's probably a better student of the game than a coach. Uh, and what a what a brilliant uh, a man! We thank you very very much, and uh, for all that you give and uh, his insights and how much he loves loves the sport of tennis. And folks, I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, and I wanted to remind you that you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. We'll see you next week on American Tennis. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.